Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, the Unified Champion School Program aims to improve inclusion in Minnesota schools. Education Minnesota's Denise Speck and gold medal winning Olympic wrestler Gable Stevenson. But first... COVID continues driving much of the activity in Minnesota politics, and MNN's Bill Werner is here with a report. Scott, this was a week that at the same time, Minnesota reached the vaccination milestone of 70% of those 16 and older. The state health department also said 90% of positive COVID-19 tests that they studied contained the Delta variant. Enough samples to estimate it is now the dominant strain in Minnesota. And the state's case positive rate reached the 5% caution threshold. Governor Tim Walz said even though hospitalizations have tripled in recent weeks in Minnesota and are at their highest level since May. Still, we've got a lot of space. Unlike just this this statistic, in the state of Arkansas, there are eight ICU beds available in the state. But the governor in no way downplayed the seriousness of this latest COVID surge, repeating the best way to tamp it down is for more Minnesotans to be vaccinated. Early in the week, Walls acknowledged he was considering a vaccine mandate for state employees returning to in-person work. Certainly the move that President Biden made with federal workers what we're assessing of what's the best, most workable, fairest way to make sure we get back safely. And next day, the governor announced a vaccination mandate for all employees of state agencies. Employees covered by the mandate will be required to show proof of receiving one of the emergency use authorized COVID-19 shots this fall or face regular testing. In a statement, the governor urged other employers to take similar steps. Those workers who exercise their right not to be vaccinated will be required to receive a negative COVID-19 test at least once a week in order to work on site. Senate Republican Majority Leader Paul Gazelka called the mandate divisive and unproductive. He says vaccines are widely available for those who want them and are incredibly effective, but he says there are other options, such as working from home and distancing for those who choose not to be vaccinated. The vaccination mandate for state agency employees does not include local school districts, but Education Minnesota President Denise Speck says every educator who works directly with students this year should be vaccinated, and she says the teachers' union has distributed a sample model agreement to its local unions in hopes of quick implementation of vaccine policies in individual school districts. The governor's state employee vaccination mandate does apply to all faculty and staff in the state college and university system, Minnesota State. Faculty union president Matt Williams encouraging members to get vaccinated and work with campus administrators to ensure the safest possible learning spaces this fall. As Minnesota faced another COVID surge, a special panel this week wrangled with who will receive $250 million in COVID frontline worker bonuses that the legislature authorized. Clinical nursing staff, health care providers, dental assistants, laboratory technicians, admissions clerks, radiology technicians, building services, janitorial personnel, How could so many workers that are essential be so quickly forgotten? Deb Pavlica, a nurse at U of M Boynton Health and head of the AFSCME Union Local, told lawmakers all essential workers play a significant role in fighting the pandemic. Child care provider Mary Solheim says, Every child care worker out there that has stayed committed to this pandemic, facing their own fears of exposure and feeling outright exhaustion, 
by continuing to provide a quality service with less. These are true heroes. And Rosemount School Bus Driver Teresa Jakubowski says, Please help us who have risked our lives transporting your children while receiving a smaller paycheck. We would be so grateful to receive financial help through Hero Pay. Metro Transit bus driver Judith Jackson told lawmakers public transit offers safe passage in hard times. But she says every time she opened the bus door, there was a good chance she was letting COVID on. I live in a multi-generational home. Excuse me, where my mom lives with me, who had just gotten her second diagnosis of cancer. So imagine knowing that her immune system was compromised. Governor Walls said there will be deserving frontline workers who will not get a piece of the $250 million bonus package during the expected special session in September, but he says, quote, that will motivate us to come back. Lisa Boulay with Bemidji Community Behavioral Health Hospital told lawmakers, Sure, I would love to get $1,500, and I think I deserve $1,500, but I'd rather get $200 than nothing. Actually, really what happened, needs to happen is the legislature needs to add more money to this. And as they debate how to parcel out that $250 million in frontline worker COVID bonuses, some state lawmakers want to know whether hospitals gave their medical workers paid time off if they or family members got sick from COVID. Democratic Representative Cedric Frazier from New Hope. Um, workers, uh, I know it's always important to know where your employer stands and times of crisis. Mary Crinky with the Minnesota Hospital Association responded. This past year and the last year has been very difficult financially for the hospitals. So I think while many hospitals would like to do more for their frontline workers, it really hasn't been a possibility. Republican Representative Ann New Brindley from North Branch says that should not affect COVID bonuses that the state gives frontline workers. I would hate to penalize individual employees for policies of the hospital. The special panel had planned this week to start hammering out actual criteria for who will be eligible for COVID frontline worker bonuses. But they ran out of time because so many people lined up, either in person or virtually, to tell lawmakers their stories. Scott? Thank you for that report, Bill. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Minnesota Rural Electric Cooperatives. Who are we? We're your neighbors, co-workers, and friends. That's right, we live and work in the community too. Because of that, we're committed to making sure our electric services stay reliable, affordable, and safe. Throughout the state, Minnesota electric co-ops work independent of each other, but with the same goal, provide power to Minnesota. You have so many other things to worry about. Your electricity isn't one of them. Minnesota Rural Electric Cooperatives, bringing power to the people of Minnesota. Change a light bulb, save some green. Just replace traditional light bulbs with energy-efficient bulbs and fixtures. If you're like most people, 20% of your home electric bills go directly to lighting. Every light we switch to one bearing the government's Energy Star label uses at least two-thirds less energy than older bulbs. Such a light will save more than $30 in energy costs over its lifetime. Brighten your environmental future from the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. 
Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. As parents and students prepare for the upcoming school year, officials with Unified Champion Schools are spreading the word about a unique program that aims to offer more inclusion for students with special needs. I recently spoke with the program's Nick Cedargren. Yeah, it's a nationwide program through a great partnership with Special Olympics North America and the U.S. Department of Education Office of Special Education programs that each state program, each state Special Olympics program has the opportunity to engage with. And the whole goal of the program is to educate, motivate, and activate uh, students uh, to create uh, inclusive school cultures within their within their school walls. And so what we do is we partner with schools uh, to promote inclusion, to promote opportunities for students of all ability levels to meaningfully partake in. Tell me a little bit about what that partnership involves and, and how that works. Yeah, with each individual school, we partner with them with the Unified Champion School model. So it's a three-pillar model uh, that incorporates inclusive student leadership, unified sports, and whole school engagement uh, program opportunities for schools to engage with. Uh, it's, it's a really flexible and adaptable program uh, that schools can pick and choose what they want to do and what, what fits best in their uh, setting and culture. Nick, tell me what the origin of this particular program is. I, I understand that it's a, a partnership on kind of the, the federal, state level, and then into individual schools, but how did it come about? Yeah, it came about uh, 14 years ago uh, is when the partnership was made with the U.S. Department of Education and Special Olympics North America, where we saw a need for schools to become more inclusive uh, around students with disabilities. There's many laws out there that uh, govern and emphasize inclusion in schools, but not a lot of practical programming uh, to help foster that. And so it was an idea sparked by uh, by the students uh, by students across the nation. And uh, Special Special Olympics North America took a hold of that and uh, pitched it to the Department of Education, and they signed right on board. And it's grown ever since. Do we have a sense of how many Minnesotans participate in the particular program? Yeah, yep, we do. Definitely the pandemic year uh, is a little skewed with our with the numbers and uh, participation rates. But pre-pandemic, we were hitting conservatively around 8,000 students all across the state. Um, we're urban, suburban, and uh, greater Minnesota. Um, and so around 8,000 students were pretty, uh, were pretty impacted by Unified Champion Schools. And that's something I was going to ask you about. You mentioned it's kind of a statewide thing, uh, and I wanted to dig into that a little bit more in terms of, uh, you know, some folks might think of this as uh, maybe more pertinent in urban areas, but that's not necessarily the case, I'm guessing. Yeah, no, it is pertinent, I would say, all across uh, our great state. There are uh, just in general, just not a lot of opportunities for students with disabilities to partake in. Um, and so often when we talk about special edu- special education, the word special is a euphemism for separated. And so uh, Unified Champion Schools brings together students with and without disabilities and meaningful opportunities um, in whatever school setting, uh, in whatever demographic throughout throughout the state. And if we have students or parents out there who happen to be listening to this that are maybe unfamiliar with the program and they're, they're interested in maybe 
uh, taking the first steps towards finding out about it or getting signed up for it? What, what steps do they need to take? Yeah, uh, we love parent advocates. We love educator advocates. And I would just say go to our website, specialolympicsminnesota.org or somn.org. And right at the top, you'll see a schools button, and that will direct you uh, to kind of what we have to offer and contact information. Um, We're all about uh, fostering a unified generation that's going to expect inclusion in their everyday lives. And uh, we're starting to see that out of those 8,000 students that we currently uh, partner with. And the sky's the limit for growth. So we're really excited um, for this opportunity. And you talked about how the Special Olympics Minnesota is also in partnership with this particular group. I'm wondering, how does that manifest itself? I mean, is this the kind of program where students participate in the schools and then um, perhaps go on to compete at Special Olympics events? Is it is it tied in that closely? Yeah, for sure. Uh, often we get we get, we get the question, when is the Special Olympics? And uh, we say every day. We uh, we just hit our fiftieth year anniversary, and uh, as an international organization, and here in Minnesota, we're coming up on our fiftieth year anniversary of Special Olympics Minnesota, and we talk about the first fifty years of Special Olympics with all the access for individuals with disabilities. The next 50 years is all about inclusion for individuals with disabilities. And Unified Champion Schools is a huge proponent of that in that organizational shift. And so by participating in Unified Champion Schools, there's going to be a you have a lot of opportunities to compete at the local level, the state level, and potentially qualify for USA games and world games uh, that come up every now and then. Well, it sounds like a great program, Nick, and that's great information. Is there anything else of significance you can think of that you care to share with our listeners? Yeah, I, one, of, one of the biggest things is that we are all about inclusion, and that's where we're shifting our focus here at Special Olympics Minnesota, all the way down from two-year-olds all the way through our adult athletes. And um, you can really support Special Olympics by volunteering uh, with us, by spearheading a unified champion school within your area, um, or by competing uh, as well. We also have great fundraising opportunities like the Polar Plunge, which I know we've all partnered on in the past, uh, that are really great uh, to get involved and uh, get a really great experience. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, our goal is to change school cultures and, and communities to be more inclusive for individuals with disabilities. And one of the greatest pieces of working with schools is that we're big believers that today's classrooms are tomorrow's communities, and if we're not and if we're not fostering inclusion in the classroom, we can't ex- expect an inclusive society. And so that's exactly what Unified Champion Schools does: is it provides that framework for inclusion to thrive. Thank you to my guest, Unified Champion Schools, Nick Cedargren. Minnesota Matters will return after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. With students, families, and K-12 educators preparing for the start of the 2021-22 school year amid concerns about an uptick in COVID-19 cases, health and education officials are recommending that schools follow CDC's guidance for COVID-19 prevention this fall. MNN's Tasha Radel has more. 
The spike in COVID cases around the state has many parents on high alert as they prepare their kids for the new school year. As you know, the data coming in is changing daily, so it's leaving many of us scratching our heads. Joining me today is Denise Specht, President of Education Minnesota. Denise, can you give us an overview of how Minnesota school districts are preparing? Well, what we're finding is that this is, you know, a continually changing uh, a pandemic. Uh, not only are the conditions, um, you know, in our communities changing every single day, but we also are learning um, more and more about the pandemic and the variants that are out there right now. So what we're saying is that we're looking to the science and the experts in the field um, for what their recommendations are and what is best. And what we know right now is that vaccines, masking, social distancing, um, you know, paying attention to uh, PPE, washing our hands and things like that, those continue to be the best protection for students and staff in our schools. So we are encouraging all of those and hope that we will see school districts continue to put the safety of students and staff first. Denise, currently Governor Walls does not have any emergency powers in place and therefore really has no say in what direction schools should take as we head into the new school year. So does this mean decisions surrounding COVID are being left up to the local school districts? Yes. Uh, because there are no emergency powers, the governor does not have an ability to do any more statewide mandates around masking or school closures or anything like that. So it is up to um, each school district to determine uh, what kind of policies they would like to, um, you know, agree on for the beginning of the school year. And we're finding that many school boards and superintendents um, are having conversations with their communities and their staff, you know, already. Some have made decisions and some are working on them now. So because of all the unknowns revolving around COVID, is it fair to say that teachers are preparing for multiple scenarios? Let's say, for example, distance learning, in-person learning, or half and half? Well, I don't think there are any other people that want to be in person more than the educators. Um, they really miss their students and I know that we've had you know people in and out of school all year last year so we want to be back with our students but we also want to make sure that um, we are you know doing this very safely so um, you know what we know is about 90 percent of Minnesota's educators are already vaccinated so they have that protection and I know that they're going to do everything they can to continue to um, you know, help school districts implement the safest uh, practices possible so that we can keep learning in person. That's what we want. I know throughout the pandemic, there were concerns about staffing shortages across the state's school districts. How are we looking heading into the 2021-22 school year? Well, we're seeing continued shortages um, all over the state. We know that there were several positions that were you know, remained unfilled at the end of the school year last year. And I'm not sure if we're seeing them, um, you know, those vacancies filled even now. As you know, uh, the legislature worked overtime. They handed in their assignment um, pretty late as far as what kind of funding districts can expect. Um, districts didn't hear what kind of um, 
a budget they could work with until like July 1st. So if you think about that, that's really not a lot of time to figure out um, what programs are we going to bring back if we cut them, um, what staff are we going to bring back, are those staff even available. Um, there's just not a lot of time when we, uh, you know, find ourselves in a situation where the legislature gets funding information to school districts so late that I really would hope that that gets fixed. Thanks again to my guest, Denise Specht, President of Education Minnesota. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. More Minnesota Matters after this. Unexpected reactions to smart financial decisions brought to you by FeedThePig.org. Well, I finally did it. I opened a 401k. So you're giving up, just like that. Giving up on what? I'm getting an inheritance from a distant relative. Don't you think if there were a billionaire in the family, we'd know about it by now? Listen to me. We are one phone call away from riding horses on our own private polo grounds. One call from christening yachts, having a butler, using summer as a verb. How do you figure? Look, everyone's got a rich uncle somewhere. It's statistics. So the best thing you can do is just prepare for the inevitable. Right, which is why I thought maybe it would be smart to take control of my finances. You know, start using a budget, get out of debt, set some retirement goals. Budgets? Debt? You watch your mouth. Retirement shouldn't be a goal for us. It should be a way of life. When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. Gold medal winner Gable Steveson of Apple Valley returned to his home state this past week after he won the 125-kilogram freestyle wrestling title at the Japan Olympics. The 21-year-old Steveson is a star wrestler for the U of M and added the gold medal to his amazing season. He'd previously won the Big Ten title, the NCAA championship, the Olympic trials, and now the gold medal. Hundreds of fans showed up at MSP International Airport to welcome the Olympic hero home. MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm was among those at the airport and has this report. Scott, as you'd expect, it was indeed a hero's welcome as Steveson walked into the airport to chance of USA, USA. This is a very surreal feeling, you know what I'm saying? It's crazy that, that I put on, put on for the best country in the world. I came home to Minnesota to such a great crowd. I'm so happy to be here. I came back with a gold medal, and I think I did. Uh, I think I did a phenomenal job. It was indeed phenomenal. One of the most amazing comebacks in Olympic sports history. Steveson trailed the three-time defending world champion wrestler from the country of Georgia by four points, with just 13 seconds remaining. He got one takedown to cut it to two with six seconds left. Fake snap. Fake snap. Fake snap. Fake snap. Fake snap. Big snap, go get it, go get it, go get Trying it. Trying to come around, and he gets the two, it's part of the board! Gable Stevenson at the final second, grabs gold for Team USA! And here it comes. The celebration backflip, his trademark at the NCAAs, at the U.S. Olympic Trials, and now in the biggest moment of his life at the Olympics in Tokyo. Gable Steveson, superstar for the United States. That's NBC Sports coverage of the final six seconds of that gold medal winning match. Our courtesy and thanks to them. Indeed, it is a superstar, Steveson, who says he didn't get to watch the replay of that final second until he arrived in the U.S. NBC had all the videos, like, um, 
accredited, so I couldn't watch it from Japan. And so I, I didn't even see the video until I got here. For me to do that in 13 seconds and run over to Egum, have him jump on me, I give him a hug, is, is, is gonna, it's something I'm going live to live with forever. Stevenson says he amazed himself with the comeback win. That last 13 seconds I cannot describe. I don't even know how I did it myself. Stevenson says seeing those hundreds of people welcoming him home at the airport was great. That uh, means a lot for me to go out there and, and put on my best my best effort for the for the great state of Minnesota. You know, so many people here supporting me, so many fans, and uh, I love being here. I love supporting the Minnesota, the Golden Gophers, USA, myself also. You heard him mention he jumped in the arms of Agam. That's Golden Gopher head coach Brandon Agam, who was with Stevenson in Japan. I had a chance to talk with Agam at the airport. How cool was that for you to be over there and see what happened? Yeah, it was an amazing experience, something I'll never forget. And just the way it, the finish was, it was something that um, was just over the top. Yeah, that last 13 seconds, what was going through your mind when it got down to there? I mean, was were you losing a little bit of hope? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I've said it a couple of times, but you go from at halftime thinking, that, you know, intermission, we had a chance to talk to him for about 30 seconds, said, boy, you're in a good spot here, just, you know, continue to score points, think about, and things changed fast there, and all of a sudden he's behind, and when he scored that, that, uh, that first takedown, and he had about six and a half seconds left, hope came back up, but it was... Um, well, I knew it was going to be a big feat, so that was pretty amazing. And to do that against a guy that's a three-time world champ, scored two takedowns under 20 seconds, um, I mean, nobody could have scripted like that. And, and um, that was a that was a tall task, but he handled it. He never gave up. He kept he kept uh, fighting for the for that win, and that's pretty impressive. You know, above the win, it was the the fact that he just never gave up. That's something that uh, everybody can hold on to. The second he scored the points that clinched it, he sprinted toward you. What was that like? Yeah, well, I saw him get on top. That look on his eyes, his eyes were about as big as basketballs, and he's he's giving me the, the two, and um, it was an amazing feeling. And, and I got up on the mat, and then I realized they challenged it, so all of a sudden I was thinking, man, did I see it correctly? Was time on the clock, or was it out? And and so there was that, uh, that moment there of, of uncertainty of what was going to happen, but it was... It was just an amazing feeling. Just super excited, proud of him, obviously. What a year he's had, you know, a Big Ten champion, NCAA title, that makes the Olympic team, the wins a gold, the Hodge winner. It's just uh, what a year he's had, and he deserves it, man. He's worked hard, and, you know, Coach uh, Brandbold, who was out there with me, and his training partner, just, a, man, got to take, you know, a lot of credit goes to Trevor, too. He did an amazing job with him. So, so proud of those guys, and so proud of Gable. What's it mean for Golden Gopher wrestling too? Uh, this is this is great. You know, now you you have guys that are thinking about wanting to come to the Gophers and they can be an Olympian. Now you got an Olympic gold medalist, something they can accomplish as well. Just continues to help in recruiting and just kind of lets the guys on the team know that this is something that's attainable here at the University of Minnesota, and and um, that's big. Enjoy it. Thank you very much. Go Gophers. Brandon Agum, Golden Gopher head wrestling coach. It was indeed quite a year for Gopher wrestler Gable Stevenson. Soon for him, it'll be decision time. The superstar has future options that could include coming back to the U to wrestle for another year or maybe two. He could explore professional wrestling, things like the WWE, or professional fighting like the UFC, and even some have suggested he try football. Stevenson so far has been non-committal as to what his future holds, I'm sure we'll find out soon. Scott, back to you. That's Mike Grimm with the amazing story of Minnesota Olympic hero Gable Stevenson. 
That is going to do it for us for this week. Thank you so much for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.